0: Welcome, everybody. We pour out weekly business lessons. I'm your host, Joe Pardo, and my guest today is making his dreams come true by helping podcasters reach their audience. And uh, I have a ton of questions for this guy, uh, and I I definitely uh, look up to him in the business world, so I'm super honored to have him here. Uh, Dreamers, wherever you are right now, help me out by giving a warm, big welcome to our guest, Todd Cochran. Woo!
1: Well, thank you so much Joe for having me on the show. Appreciate it. You are
0: very very welcome. I remember I I think it was like a long time ago I had asked you to be on the show and it just never worked out like like 3 years ago. Something something crazy like that. <laughs>
1: The time zone stuff is a killer because I'm usually in Hawaii, but I'm on the East Coast this week, so it works out. We're we're synced up.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, I gotta imagine because like even on um, when you record your show, your your uh, show with Rob, that's at like 10 a.m. our time. I think like 10 a.m. our time. Was, was it? It used to be Saturdays, wasn't it?
1: Or noon. It, it'd be like noon your time, and then six a.m. my time. But depending on, see, we don't change our clock, so it could be eleven a.m. or noon. Yeah, one one of the other. So yeah.
0: <laughs> well, the, but recently you've been doing it on Sundays, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, it's just travel and you know stupid stuff going on. So like last, it was you know International Podcast Day was last weekend. So we, um, you know, we didn't want to interrupt International Podcast Day, so we did it on Sunday.
0: Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, being what six hours to what six to seven hours or five to six hours? It's, behind it's yeah,
1: five to six hours. Yeah, so Rob's only three hours behind, so it's not as bad. But yeah,
0: but even for you waking up that early on a, I mean, you're probably up that early Saturday. anyway. But on a Saturday, <laughs> oh, oh, it
1: sucks. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Todd, why don't you give some background about yourself?
1: Well, um, I spent 25 years in the U.S. Navy. I retired in 2007. Uh, but that uh, already had Raw Voice Blueberry kicking at that point. I had started the business um, really kind of in mid 2005. So, uh, you know, I worked towards uh, transitioning to civilian life. And man, everything just kind of synced up. And we were able to, uh, you know, go full time with podcasting when I retired. And, my you know my show itself uh, sustains me and a lot of people don't know it but I don't take a salary from Rob Voice I um at some point I will but I keep the lights burning and insurance the gas in the car by essentially doing my podcast I you know my goal has always been to walk the walk so I can talk the talk to podcasters so um been doing the show well next week will be uh, 14 yeah is it right 10, no 13 years so uh, it's an amazing, it's been an amazing journey here.
0: And you're in the podcast Hall of
1: Fame. Yes, I, I was. I was lucky to be the first, one of the first to five inducted.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was there. I was there for that. That was uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, did, w- were you expecting that? I mean, I know it's been a few years since then, but were you expecting that at the time?
1: Yeah, they they let you know, uh, you know, several months in advance, so you can be there. And, um, you know, so that, uh, but you know, I didn't know I was up for it. They, you know, they didn't, they don't announce who's nominated or, or who's being voted on. You just kind of find out, which is cool. But, uh, now I get to be part of the voting process. So that's kind of fun. I get to vote on folks that are, you know, being uh, considered for the hall of fame and they, actually anyone can actually submit someone for a, um, to be considered. So they, they have a process that uh team does at podcast movement, so they have certain nomination criteria, but we get to vote on those folks that are nominated by you know just average show podcasters
0: Oh wow, yeah, I wasn't aware that you were on the uh the the uh voting committee for that that's awesome. It makes a lot of sense too to grow the committee to grow the committee would would be would be good to have people from that have been voted in
1: to vote on that
0: you know on that,
1: yeah. But uh yeah, so anyway, we've been involved in that. And of course you, congratulations to you too. We just oh. won a big award here this past weekend, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you. I, I uh I was not expecting that at all. In
0: fact, um I I told quite a few people that uh if anyone I thought was going to win it, and he's been a guest on my show before, I I suspected that Eric uh from Beyond the To Do list was gonna win it.
1: You never know how this thing is gonna work out, and and I'll be honest, this year um, the way we invoked the voting for the podcast awards it was it was right down the wire for a lot of categories and you know for the purpose of you know not trying to hurting ones feelings we never announce where people fall out in the rest of the stack because we think just getting the point of being nominated is a huge um you know huge honor so just being part of that uh, that class of nominees and winners is uh is incredible. But yeah, congratulations. So you're going to be looking forward to seeing a nice beautiful trophy here in about a month.
0: I am. I am looking very much forward to that that trophy uh and and, and I I'm super excited to take pictures with it and, and I never really thought like i really never thought I was, would ever win anything like that cuz I don't I don't win stuff like that. I create stuff like that. Like, you know, like the Middle East podcast conference. Things I create those things. I don't win those things. <laughs> those things
1: well you you must have made an impression on the voters because uh you came out on top
0: yeah yeah and i'm super honored for that um and and you know it makes all those long long nights uh editing uh the podcast for for all those years uh super worth it of course now i don't do any editing on my show because who's got time with that with a kid and a business and uh you know a job and and everything else but um but no, I, I'm super, super honored.
1: Here's the secret formula. I've never edited in uh, the entire time I've been doing my show. So don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> I know. I love it. And that's why I tell a lot of people, you know, when, they, when they're like, oh, well, I, you know, how do I go about editing my show? I'm like, I don't. If there's something that needs to be edited, I'll write the timestamp down and I edit backwards and that's it. Like, otherwise, it's going live. I'm not saving people 30 seconds across a 30-minute show or an hour-long show and, and making me wait, you know, an hour through, through all that audio. Right. So, um, well, Todd, I, uh, I, I want to get into what was uh, What was, like, what was your, your idea behind starting a podcast in the first place? Because, like, we're going back to the early, you know, very beginning of podcasting.
1: Yeah. So, you know, when I, um, I really kind of fell into this and in 2004, I had, um, gotten hurt pretty badly in, while I was active duty. it wasn't uh, combat related. It was a swimming pool accident. And I spent uh, 13 days in the hospital and really it, it was, it was a situation that, um, caused me not to be able to fly anymore. And, so when you are lose your primary job, uh, they look at you pretty close. So I volunteered to go to Waco, Texas, of all places, to do contract enforcement on aircraft that were being modified. And that um, – Waco in the summertime is very hot, and I was wearing a clamshell uh, body cast, and uh, it was one that you could take take off and – what ended up happening was, is being in the hotel room a lot because of the air conditioning. So hang on one second. And the, um, so I was just on the internet a lot. And I heard about podcasting through the, the no agenda show um, with Adam Curry and, and, and I was just blown away. So I had already been a blogger, not a really good one. So I essentially um, decided, let's let's try this podcasting thing." And uh, I already had a website called geeknewcentral.com again, where I was you know doing blogging. I added the podcast to it, um, and the show really just exploded. I was totally amazed. And, and you know, in those days, there was no flat rate hosting. We had to do everything through shared hosting accounts and literally to keep the show on the air. I had to buy like a dozen shared hosting accounts and we would use 500 megs of or 500 gigs of bandwidth and then we would switch to the next host. And I was changing uh, hosting platforms and reuploading media every three to four days just to keep the show online, to keep the audience fed. But, you know, those were some of the early day challenges that those of us faced and when I came back to Hawaii and told my wife that I was doing this podcasting thing, she kind of looked at me and she says, dude, you, you've got two years to figure out how to make money with this thing or you're done. Um, so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm on, I'm, I'm on the clock. And uh, in November of 04, I, was, I received an email late November '04. I received an email from a small publishing company called Wiley Publishing. At the time, I had no who, no clue who they were. And they had asked me to write the first book on podcasting. Well, in high school, I was the guy that hung out in the back of the English class. And if I was lucky, I scraped through and and got a passing grade. Um, So, you know, I wasn't an English major and I'm still not. So I kind of replied to them in a "Mm, not so not so positive way. Basically, saying, you've got to be beeping kidding me. And they replied back, no, we're not be being kidding you. We want you to write a book on podcasting. And I looked them up and figured out where they were. And and, and basically in December, I started writing the draft for what became podcasting, the do-it-yourself guide. That book was released in uh, May of 05. It sold nearly 50,000 copies and was the number one do-it-yourself guides um, book from Wiley. And won some awards from uh, Amazon and New York Times, and it was a tech help book, you know, and those types of books just don't sell that many copies. So that kind of put me on the map, but what it also did, there was an interesting thing that happened, and I was, um, I announced the book on episode 69 of my podcast, and uh, I had been hyping that there was going to be a big announcement and what ended up happening was is that the um I lost half my audience because in those days getting money for doing a show was considered selling out and so I had this big hit on numbers and a lot of grief and you know I'd been up front with the audience in the beginning my plan to you know try to make a go at this and make it commercial and so it was an interesting lesson um in audience dynamics uh in the early days now it recovered And I'm glad it did because in July of '05, uh, GoDaddy or June of '05, GoDaddy called me, said we want to sponsor your show. Well, money problem solved with the wife, so um, we did the sponsorship. And then in July of '05, when the call came back to renew, they basically gave me the data on how many conversions we'd had, and I said, "Whoa." Um, not charging enough, so I went back and did the calculations, and we renegotiated an ad rate. And have you ever been in an interview or been in a you know business dealing where you know you quote a price to someone and they respond so fast you're like saying shucks, I could have had a higher, I uh, could have put a higher amount on that because there was no negotiating, going back and forth. They ever had one of those moments? Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, she had said yes so fast to that, uh, that sponsorship amount. I'm like, man, I could have eked some more money out of this. But, you know, a deal's a deal, right? And uh, But really from that point, the famous words that really set things in motion to where they are today was Chris said to me, she says, Todd, do you know any other podcasters that would like to do advertising with GoDaddy? And in January of 05, I had started this little network called the Tech Podcast Network, which is still online today, techpodcast.com. And the, um, I took 13 shows from that, and we put them on GoDaddy. And I thought real quick here, there's a business here. So from my audience on my show, I said, I need a biz dev. I need a lawyer. I need a programmer. I need a graphics guy. I'm doing a phone call. This is the date you be on it if you're interested on this business thing I've got going. So I had nine people call into uh, freeconferencecall dot com, and we uh, and I basically laid it out. I said, "Listen, if you don't have ten thousand dollars to invest in a business idea right now, please hang up." And it was just about that blunt. And I click, 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 click. I think five people hung up, and I was left with. Barry Kantz, who is today our legal finance officer, who is a lawyer in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was uh, had uh, um, Brian Yonke, who is our creative director. He said, I know a programmer, which ended up being Angelo. And then there was another guy in the call that's no longer with a company who had an MBA. We launched Raw Voice, which most people know as Blueberry, over the phone. And um, the lawyers set the company up. And we got to work, and we were all working out of our house. We were still all had full-time jobs, and uh, it's been an uphill crawl ever since. And the, um, But it's amazing that uh, four of the five original team members are still with the company and uh, still rocking it. We're 13, 14 strong right now with the office in Columbus, with the rest of the team still working. I think there's five, six, well, I think we're we're peaking right now because we added a couple of interns, so maybe we're up to 15 right now, but the office in Columbus has got the programmers, and Mackenzie, who is the affiliate manager, then the rest of the team is spread between really the East and the West Coast, and, of course, I'm really West-West. I'm out in Hawaii, so that's really how we kind of got started and We didn't even see each other, uh, from a business perspective, meet face to face until the very first, uh, what was called the new media expo. We met in California. That was the first time we'd even seen each other face to face and, um, it was a crazy way to start a business, but we were truly virtual, um, in, in the ultimate sense in the early days.
0: And, and, you know, I, I've uh, interacted with both uh, – with Mackenzie and Angelo from – from uh, for, so the actual company name is Raw Voice, right? Or is it Blueberry?
1: Yeah, the the parent company's name is Raw Voice, and Blueberry is a property. But if you get a check from us, it's billed as Raw Voice, or the check will come from Raw Voice. Mm,
0: okay. So so uh, why Columbus, Ohio?
1: Angelo was in Columbus, and uh, he was the first one to go full-time. Ah. So – when, uh, Angela was tired of working out of his house, I said, let's find us some digs and, um, we, we were getting ready to hire a second dev and we found, believe it or not the first place he, we subleased somewhere for a little while for the first, maybe 18 months. And then, uh, I think we're now in our second or third location. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've got a nice, beautiful office in uh, in actually it's an old CompuServe building in, in Columbus and, uh, you know, at some point we'll probably outgrow that and have to find some bigger digs. But that is kind of why the the office is there.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I wasn't. I was always curious about that. So I'm like, Todd's in Hawaii. Maybe he was fr- like from Columbus, Ohio, or something. And I I wasn't sure.
1: No. Originally, I grew up in Southern Michigan, and uh, that was. Uh, um, that's right. You know, that's where that's I right. called home. But yeah.
0: Yeah, because I've seen you post about the the schools and the and, and the situation going on over there.
1: Yeah, kind of insane.
0: Mm. Um. So, okay. So let, let's let's fast forward a little bit to um, where you're at now with with the business. Like, what's what's going on today that you didn't foresee like thirteen years ago, twelve years ago.
1: Well, um, from a business perspective, the business has shifted completely. When we first started, we were 100% advertising focused, and 100% of our revenue was from advertising. And in about 2000, well, not when the when the when the collapse happened 2008, uh, we were still trucking really good on advertising. But I got nervous. With the economy, I said, okay, what happens if the advertisers start pulling back? And they didn't pull back because of the economy. They pulled back because – well, they pulled back in smaller shows because all of a sudden these mega shows started coming on the scene. But I kind of basically made a made a good bet. We were had already launched PowerPress, which is uh, by far the number one podcasting plug-in out there. There's some other good ones as well. But um, we – had launched that plugin and I said, why don't we tie, we've got an API, why don't we tie that in so it can, you know, can, uh, contribute to the stats and what do you think about hosting? And, and we said, well, let's, let's, you know, see what we can do with that. So we added hosting, we add stats and, and, and layered some other stuff in there and the service business, um, really kind of passed. Uh, the advertising business on the way down. So as the service business was on its way up, the advertising business was on its way down. So today I'm probably 90, 10, 90% service business, 10% advertising with actually seeing the advertising portion of the business coming back because with all this money that's coming into the podcasting space from advertisers, the top level shows are full and the advertisers are now finally forced to come back to the independents and work with the smaller shows. So we're starting to see money uh, flow back down, which is good. We're well-suited to be able to um, – because that was our – basically that's what we worked with in our niche and be able to put three, four, five hundred 500 shows on an ad buy and execute that with a – with a tool that we built specifically for that. So we're ready and we're actually executing ad deals, uh, more ad deals now than we used to, while the service business continues to grow. But to be honest with you, I expected the advertising stuff to be a lot farther along than what it is. So, you know, we made a good hedge. Uh, we wouldn't have been here otherwise. And we've also been willing to. Try things, and if they don't work, um, and not get obsessed about it, but throw it away. You know, we've, we've built a couple of things that didn't stick, that it was too early. I put it back on the shelf, and we wait a couple of years to see if it if – because uh, oftentimes, uh, it, this is good for your folks that are listening. You'll have an idea. You say, oh, man, this is going to it." You're going to uh, execute on something, and then it's a dud. And you're going to be like, why is that a dud? Well, it's not because it's dumb. It was because it was too early. You're way ahead. And we've had several of those cases, um, uh, several of those things happen to us. Um So, you know, don't completely abandon stuff that you're in particular um, thinking is a dud. You know, don't you don't necessarily dwell on it and continue to lose money on it. But at the same time. Uh, you know, keep it on the shelf, ready to pull back out when it's ready. Now, maybe it'll never come back into vogue, but some stuff does. So, otherwise, I think from a business standpoint, um, we've had to learn to be really, really good at communicating. Um, Slack is, oh my God, it's an it's an amazing tool. So we're we're heavy Slack users. Uh, our email is for really critical, important stuff, but day to day communication, Slack, and then. If someone needs to talk to me face-to-face, we get in a go-to-meeting session and do a video conference call, So, um, and I make round-robin calls with the remote team members, uh, the leads every day to make sure everything's going on. But um, really, what has been truly a big su- fact, success factor for the company is our support. I learned very early on that um, in the early days, I'm a geek, I'm a techie, I can handle all this stuff by myself, but a lot of podcasters coming into the space now need some extra help. And so our support team is incredible. And uh, we talk to our customers every day. And we're the only company that actually provides phone support. And sometimes people just need to call a friend and get a five-minute, you know, do a five-minute call, which would have, you know, may have been an hour-long email exchange. So, um, you know, doing the phone support and having a good support team has been really beneficial.
0: No, I I would agree. I I think um like as a web developer, you know, a lot of times we uh we 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 push our people to uh uh hosting s- solutions like uh GoDaddy and WP Engine because they have a phone number. And you know, if you don't know what you don't know, a chat window isn't going to really help you get there. Um like a like having somebody on the phone that you can it, like kind of wiggle your way through to get to something some kind of understanding.
1: It's true, and, you know, that was part of our reason, too, for launching, you know, what we found is the the podcasters were changing, and they're still changing. As a matter of fact, there's a new generation of podcasters that are you know, be able to utilize a product that we didn't think we were going to even be promoting anymore. So we've got a lot of podcasters that are SoundCloud podcasters that that's all they had. They had a SoundCloud website and no com. They just had a podcast. And a lot of them are leaving SoundCloud, so they're just coming over to our site and using our Blueberry Publisher, which is actually provides them a an RSS feed, a little bit of a simple landing page, uh, an embed if they want it. Most of them don't use it; they just want a podcast, and that's a product that we really don't advertise. But we're finding now that SoundCloud specific podcasters want just the simplicity of being able to, you know, have a have a place to publish. Now, our PopPress Sites product, which is our um, which we added last year, which gives every customer a WordPress site, it's been huge. I mean, it's really, really been huge. We're adding a lot of shows that are you know, basically getting started, and, and we've made that product so that they can graduate. Essentially, they can start out with a basic product, and when they're ready to take their show to the next level, they can up, increase their subscription and get some more features, and that has been um, a really positive product for us as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, I I think that's a really good good angle because yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people that are like, well, I'm a coach or I'm a consultant or I'm a business owner, small business owner, medium sized business owner, and or even a marketing director who comes from the old, you know, not I don't want to say old way of marketing, but they didn't grow up with technology the same way we have it today, and they they don't know all that stuff to to get them started. So having that opportunity I think is is good cuz it it also enables you to compete with those those like the pod beans of the world and the spreakers of the world where it's like we you have like a landing page even though you don't have a, a website.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's again, uh, you know, our our business model's always been about and I'm you know, I've been saying it from the beginning and I probably annoy people sometimes to an extent, <laughs> but I'm about own your brand, own your feed, yep. you know. And it's uh it's it's a big part of my DNA. Well it's our it's our core of our company's DNA. And I tell the guys whatever product and service that we build, um, I want it so that we basically provide the tools and get out of the way. I don't want to invoke our brand on their brand and I want people to build dynasties. I want them to build their own, you know, their own uh, empires. I don't want blueberry to be part of that empire building. I, I want to be the guy that helps them with the tools. And, um, but you know, again, we have those folks that are, are, you know, our primary customers. And then again, we have this subset of new customers coming in that they don't care about that. They just want to be able to post the show somewhere and post iTunes and, and they're happy as clams. But, um, and so you, you, as a business owner, you guess what you do? You provide, uh, the services that your customers want. And um, if you get stuck and not willing to shift, then that's when you're going to go out of business.
0: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Now, I, I got to ask. Uh, I, I think I could understand where the name Raw Voice came from. But w- where did Blueberry come from?
1: Well, in the early days, we, the site was uh, the byline to Raw Voice was Fresh Organic Media. Now, I'll be honest with you. We were, um, Raw Voice was pretty simple. That was over the phone. And Fresh Organic Media, I don't know. We, it's, I don't know how we came up with that. The first site we launched was called, believe it or not, Podcaster News. It's the domain podcasternews.com, and, and what it was really designed to be was kind of like a CNN I report. Again, a product way early. We wanted to be able to take news stories from localities and have people submit stuff and have them available as a feed of like breaking and news and you know stuff that happens in the local area. Well, that was one of those paper wads that stuck to the wall and fell off. And so, while we were you know, we had built this engine to power that, and I said, "Well, let's rebrand it." When and we were having a meeting. We have these retreat meetings now. We go to exotic places in the winter. We go to places like Chicago in February for a uh, for a weekend <laughs> retreat. Okay, <laughs> and uh, we essentially lock ourselves in a hotel room for three or four hours and. That first time, I think we were 2005. I have, you have to forgive me when the actual meeting happened. It was probably more like 2006, but um, we were uh, in, you know, in this suite in Chicago, and we were like, okay, the, the rage at the time were dot coms without any vowels. That was the thing. It was it, that was the hype then. And I said, okay, we're Raw Voice, Fresh Organic Media. And someone said, "What about fruits?" And we're like, "Blueberry, raspberry." And I don't know why, for the for the life of me, how we got on blueberry, n- no clue. But that's how, that's where it went. And you know, I'll be honest with you, for three or four years, uh, we struggled with that uh, because there was some brand awareness issues, and we got teased a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's now everybody pretty much knows us and we would be stupid to rebrand. But um, why we didn't pick something – well, the reason we didn't pick a pod-related name at that time, there was this huge raging debate about the word podcasting and being tied to iPod. And they didn't want to call it podcasting anymore. They want So we are trying to also avoid – Number one, the wrath of Apple we didn't know if Apple was going to be taking a pod related site offline for copyright infringement. Ultimately, they didn't, although they did go after one site that was relatively close to their to their copyright so uh we stayed away from the pod names just because of kind of that debate that was going on, and podcasting was still trying to you know find itself you know hindsight twenty twenty we should have come up with something we shouldn't have had some pod related. Uh, but you know, you make a decision based upon what's going on currently, and you know we rode that pony, and uh, it is what it is.
0: <laughs> well, I I think I've heard a similar story about Mailchimp, and how they probably wouldn't name it Mailchimp if they if they had came up with a name now. Um, but yeah, you know, t- hindsight is twenty twenty, and and you gotta, and that's a, I mean, that's a real. Concern, though, I mean, if you're having people invest, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into, into starting this thing, you can't – you don't want to get derailed because of, uh, you know, Apple decides that today's the day that we're going to start sending out some letters.
1: Right. And we and we really didn't know. And, of course, then, you know, Apple was this big secret. You know, they had only added, um, you know, the uh, podcasting support into iTunes in July of 05 oh five. So you know that you, again. So it must have been this meeting was after that. So you know it was definitely at a time when we no one knew who was working the podcasting stuff at Apple. That was a big you know as a big black cloud. You no know, one knew as a black hole. So today you know the Apple team is out and about and comes to the events and we get to talk to them. We know who they are and we have open lines of communication. But you know if that had been back in the day, we'd have just sent Charles a emails. Hey, uh, are we going to get to take down those? We name our company, uh, you know uh whatever it may be pod whatever and uh, they could have probably answered that to us yeah but at that point there was no one to talk to
0: <laughs> so you mentioned your wife earlier uh and and how she was uh you know was like hey you got two years to figure this out um how, how did the like how, how did your the rest of your family take this idea that you were going to start a company based around something they probably had never heard of in their life
1: Well, you know, I I told her, I said, listen, uh, there's opportunity here. I'm proving we can make some money. Uh, There's a business. We've got a good business plan. Uh, Do you want to stay in Hawaii when I retire? Uh, Because if you don't, um, I can take a job uh, someplace in the mainland and we can – but if you want to stay here, this is the best opportunity for us to stay here. Now, that wasn't the entire conversation, uh, but you know we talked quite a bit about this. But you know the family part in doing a podcast, and I, I caution people that do one, uh, there's divorces that have happened because of podcasting. Uh, folks will do a show and they will then spend six, seven hours editing and they'll come out of their cave and their wife will give them or their husband or their partner will give them the look of death of steel and you're sleeping on the couch for two weeks. So, um, you know, part of the reason I don't edit quite honestly is I wanted to stay married. So I invested in gear early to be able to get in and get out and get the show done and, and, uh, back to family duty. So, but the discussion, you have to have a serious discussion with your spouse and you're getting ready to do a, a business. It's um especially if her name's gonna be on the on the company, which I suggest most of you do if you're starting an LLC or something like that. If you're gonna build a legacy, you want something that can be uh passed on to a significant other, something happens to you. So I um you know, I, I, we had that conversation, but to be honest with you she was pretty supportive. My wife's Japanese and um her motto is bring home the bacon, bud. I don't care how you do it. <laughs> you know, you know, uh make sure that paycheck goes in and we can pay the light bill and keep the lights on. And you know, I even say that in my show. This podcast keeps my lights on, keeps my you know, keeps my insurance bills paid and the family fed. So it's the it's the literal truth. So um um yeah so we've been living living it ever since
0: oh wow yeah i I, um it's well i I think now it's a little bit different because we have other you know and i'm not gonna name names but there's other podcasters that you can point at and be like well look what they did and look what they've done and i could do that too
1: it's a marathon. This thing is,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: a lot, there is no shortcuts to – there are no shortcuts to building for the average podcaster. If you get lucky and get invited on the Oprah show or get – you know, there are those that have, uh, you know, explosive growth. But for most shows, you're going to have to get in there and, and do your – you know, practice your, your trade. You're going to have to get Mike comfortable and – you're going to have to get audience comfortable and you're going to have to learn out your battle rhythm and, uh, you know, become and will essentially deliver, sustain superior content to build an audience. And, you know, I didn't start out. My first uh, GoDaddy check, I used to say it was 300. It was actually more. It was um, 1,200 was my first GoDaddy check. And, I, and the reason I, I said 300, I don't know the brain twitches on you. Right. But I was digging through some papers. I was shredding. I said, Oh, here's the original contract from GoDaddy. And Oh, I've been saying the wrong amount for the past you know, six or seven years. <laughs> so the first sponsorship check was, was 1200 bucks, which was huge. That was huge money for me. And, um, you know, so not everyone can do that on their first sponsorship, but the key though is, is if you're in for beer money or if you're in for car payment money, or if you're in for lifestyle change money, you got to do the grind. Nothing comes easy. I I wish there was a secret formula. There's not. You just gotta. You just gotta put out content.
0: Absolutely. I living proof right here. You know, three and a half years grinding this thing. Um, and I always say to people, are you are you building a business or are you building a hobby? And I know you can you can get behind that considering the fact that you're always like free isn't
1: a model. No, free <laughs> is not a model. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and 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 a, and a hobby's okay too, you know. Because I'll be honest with you, my mom and I did a show after my dad died. We called it the Sherry Cast. It wasn't a hobby; it was therapy. Hmm. We did a sh- we did a show that uh, we talked every weekend about her challenges of being a widow, and I wasn't there to help. I was in Hawaii. She was here in Michigan by herself, and we talked about those chats. So the show wasn't a hobby. It was therapy and we did it until we got our, our brain straight. So uh, there's, there can be a reason for doing a podcast and it can be business. It can be self-improvement. It can be, I don't care what the reason is. If you want to share your story just to get it off your chest, that's a good enough reason to do a podcast. And if it turns into something that makes money, great. But, um, you know, I, I, that without that show, uh, her and I would still be struggling with stuff. But we were able to open our hearts and share it with other people that were having the same issues. Um, and when we were done, we were done. When the show was done, we had we had done our done. We 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 had our fill, and we moved on to other things. So, um, again, I there's no one. You know, it's not like you know a square block and you know you know there's there's <laughs> I'm basically saying there's you can mix a thing up whichever way you want.
0: Oh, I, no rules! Absolutely, and that, you gotta remember it is your show, and that's and that's always important to remember. I mean, I, you probably don't know this, but me and my wife did a podcast called Birth, leading up to the fir- birth of our first child.
1: Uh, I do remember that. Yeah,
0: yep. and it it was uh, it's special, you know. I I wish we were doing it now for leading up to our second child, but you know, it's it was time consuming because the 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 conversations that we had with our parents and the editing that I put into it and. You know, it's something that's special, and and it just is what it is. Um, so no, when I say you know, are you building a business or are you building a hobby? You kind of have to pick one and figure out what it, what sure. is it that is going to be. Mm-hmm. And um, in that case, it was you know a hobby and a and a legacy thing for us. Um, speaking of hobbies, though, Todd, what hobby do you enjoy outside of podcasting? Oh
1: man. Um... You know, I hate to say it as an independent business officer, you don't get, don't have much time. Um, I think, uh, like when I'm back here right now, um, I used to like to hunt a lot. I'm not such a hunter anymore. So I haven't hunted in years. So, you know, a nice stroll through the woods is like, man, that is like going to the beach and hanging out for 10 hours. It's uh, relaxing. So I think a little bit of uh, uh, not necessarily hiking, but, you know, relaxing outdoors is kind of cool. Um, I do, uh, just like pretty much everyone else, lo- like music. I'm a heavy metal guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, or, or maybe some ACDC or something like that, rocking out some music. Um, I don't know. I You know, I have different ways to relax. And being in Hawaii when I'm stressed out and things aren't going so good, I, I grab the laptop and throw it in a bag. And I go down the beach and, and watch the bikinis walk by and work. Um, so... You know, to be honest, that's, you know, that's what I do. And it's, you know, it's do a couple hours of that and back to the house and back to work. So it's, uh, um, you know, I I am definitely a workaholic, but uh, I I like to, you know, I do like to go to Vegas from time to time. And I am then known to be at a craps table and throw the dice a little bit, but I'm very chicken when it comes to betting. So I usually lose money and I have a little entertainment, but, you know, I, I it is what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the that was class, classic answer. I wish my camera was on so you could see, see how much I was laughing. <laughs> um, real quick, I want to remind everyone that they're listening to the Dreamers podcast with your host, Joe Pardo. That's me, and I'm interviewing Todd Cochran of Raw Voice, uh, Blueberry, uh, Tech, uh, Geek, was it Geek, ah, crap, uh, Geek News. Was it Geek Tech yeah, News? Yeah, so it's...
1: Uh, it's Geek, Geek News Central is the tech show, then the new media show is the show I do with Rob Greenlee every Saturday at newmediashow.com. Yep.
0: Yep. And I do listen to that show because uh, it's on Facebook, which I love the fact that you stream it because anytime it's on I, I and I can catch it, I uh, definitely listen in on what you guys are talking about because it, it affects our industry as a, as a whole with the podcasting. So uh, great job. <laughs> great job there. Uh, Todd, I want to ask you: What's been your biggest roadblock with all of this?
1: Oh, as far as building a business goes,
0: yeah, whether it's you know personal oh. or business, because everything's related, right? Like the hip bone's connected to the
1: yeah leg bone. Yeah. I don't know something like you that. You know, <laughs> every every business has challenges and growing, and you grow in uh, a business with a team that you know sometimes. Um, hasn't had full exposure to bigger businesses, so you know, we've, we went through a little bit of challenges of you know, number one, getting people trained in some of the basic business management stuff. Um, but that's just a thing. But really, what drives me absolutely crazy is, um, I have to go meet with media buyers and, um, going into New York or Dallas or Chicago or Houston or LA or San Francisco, um, I go in and meet with typically uh, someone that's in their thirties with a team of uh, media buyers that are controlling millions of dollars of ad revenue that are in their twenties. Most of them uh, pretty fresh out of college and training them on podcasting because they have high turn rates. So it seems like every time I go into a a shop, I'm looking at new faces and have to retrain. So that's a big frustration of mine and um, getting the, the message about the viability of podcast advertising um, through to media buyers because it's it's a very difficult process to put campaigns in uh, in in work and get the I O signed off and trying to get the media buyers from uh, not cherry picking shows. Uh, you know, I I recently submitted a campaign and they had thirty two shows on a very niche campaign. Absolutely, I matched the shows perfectly. And uh, the media buyer rejected 26 shows because the 26 shows he rejected did not have advertising currently run in the podcast. And I my brain exploded. I'm like, you are in a very niche, very, very niche ad spot. And these shows don't get advertising, but they are perfect for your company. And the guy wasn't having anything on it. So – um, so we're starting now. I'm addressing that. We address that in the latest Your Podcast that Mike and I do over at uh, Power Press, PowerPressPodcast.com, and and we're going to be addressing it in some of our newsletters. We want podcasters that are um, not running ads to start running ads. We don't care what ad you run. Run an ad um, and get that skill, get that, um, that transition training in, and get that host endorsement skill working because – if one advertiser's doing it we're going to see more but you know we lost that deal uh, i wasn't going to do, do a deal for 6 because it was a very minimal spend and um so yeah that's my biggest headache as media buyers
0: yeah i could i could totally see that i mean um if if the show is a show that wants to have have sponsorship yeah it's one of those things it's like it's like dating right like when you have no girlfriend or no boyfriend nobody wants you but as soon as you have one right. everybody wants yep. you
1: isn't that funny how that works <laughs> yeah
0: every every time <laughs> every time um so so like what's some of the ways I, I i guess that uh you know dealing with with a you know a different a much different generation than your own uh when you're coming into the these rooms um What's some of the ways that you deal with that other than, other than just being frustrated? Uh,
1: sometimes I take someone that's younger than me with me and let them do the presentation and set and keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. So they have a better – they sometimes will connect with uh, someone closer to their age than me because I'm the old stupid guy and the person is talking to him as a young, intelligent person. So sometimes I use that tactic and it sometimes works out very well. So you have to play the game a little bit almost.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, perception is reality and (laughs) I can see, Mm -hmm. I can see uh, why that would be the case depending on who, you know, who's in the room and, and what's trying to be accomplished. Um, Right. So yeah, I I think that that's uh, that definitely is a good a good way of trying to handle it.
1: Or or sometimes it's you know you just you just lay it out there and and you hope that their their boss who's been sitting in the corner is listening and um and directs some money spend and it's you know it it's much easier than it used to be now because i used to walk into places and people would be like podcasting what <laughs> and i would spend third i would spend 30 of my 45 minutes just explaining what podcasting was uh now it's like a uh, 2 or 3 minutes get you caught up on what's going on with the space and here's the deck you know let's go through it and then we have time for questions and um yeah so it's it's changed i don't it, the, you know the the challenges have changed over time, but still, the high turn rate on media buyers is still an issue. And I don't think that that that's just a part of their space, and that won't change anytime soon. But uh, you know, the goal is, and this is for anyone that's doing podcasting. Once you get an insertion order, once you get that signed contract for a quarter, it's very easy to keep that contract going as long as you perform. They don't like to do a lot of research, so they would just rather. Change the dates and send the the contract back out with a different dollar amount and hopefully more. So the goal is getting that first IO, getting that first contract, and then uh, knocking the you no, know, you're knocking it out of the ballpark from a performance standpoint. And once you do that, then you're in like Flint. <laughs>
0: No, I I have I've been there uh with with some of my other shows that we've done uh we had we had sponsors we sold sponsorship before we even had the show together you know to wow. to different spaces well they were highly niche shows that uh that the the people that we were targeting for to get the sponsorship from have a lot of money to throw mm-hmm. around and I, I you know i gotta say it's it's probably uh it had to have been really frustrating to 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 try to have to explain what podcasting was you know and spend all that time and effort um and with the hope that people would actually like Oh yeah that makes sense like because to me it's just like netflix for audio you know but how does it work is when you get into the the nitty-gritty um i'm curious though what your thoughts are on uh automatic insertion of ads kind of like youtube or what i think blog talk radio was doing was or is doing
1: uh yeah so here's you know i i have i'm building an injection system now it's actually being built as we speak. And, and here's the reason why I hadn't built one up to this point. This, at this point, I have to, just because I have to have it in our tool set. But up to this point, even today, globally, and I've said this many, many times, it blows people's minds when I say this, but as far as the shows that we measure, and we measure over 60,000 shows globally, 90% of all podcast episodes deliver 90% of their lifetime downloads within the first 96 hours. So that 90% of shows that are delivering that 90% of content in the first 96 hours, they never need to rebuild their content ever. So if they're doing a host-endorsed ad, it can go in there and it can live, and after that first 90% of shows they may get a handful of downloads after that 96 hours. So it really makes no sense to rebuild those shows. And because we've been mostly doing DR, host-endorsed ads, there hasn't been a need to rebuild those shows. It just hasn't. It's, it, didn't, it doesn't make financial sense because rebuilding an insertion, there is a premium to that. But we're getting to the point now where some realities are setting in. There is going to become on the market more inventory that is going to be offered, not at premium CPMs. Uh, they're not going to be $20 or $25 CPMs. They're going to be 12 9 gross um, that are going to be available for all takers. And it's going to be just an insurance company per se. And it may not be host endorsed. It may be their copy. That is coming. And. I predicted uh, a year ago, I told Angela. I said, November, December of 2017, we probably need to have Injection ready to start doing some programmatic. Programmatic's not running as fast as I thought it would, but we're still going to have the system ready um, for the customers that want to do pre-mid, post, or pre-mid, mid, mid, post, post, whatever they – however they want to put their ads in. We're going to have that uh, ready for folks that want to use it. Uh, on their own inventory will worry about the programmatic stuff uh, as it becomes more popular. But I think podcasters on a whole, a lot of podcasters have never gotten an ad deal. So the question then becomes for a show that's never got an ad deal in a category that maybe will never get a, a an advertiser that will match exactly, are they going to be willing to take an insurance advertiser, uh, maybe something you hear on the radio today, as a brand advertiser, but you're guaranteed you're going to be in it. They're going to be in your show for a year and you drop them as a mid, uh, someplace or you drop them as a pre, um, pre-roll and you actually make some money on that. Um, it's not going to be the high premium, but is it worth it if they're going to be in there for a year? You're willing to take a little less money. So that is some stuff podcasters are going to have to come to grips with. Um, it's not going to be for everyone. Some folks are not going to want to sacrifice their show to drop a car commercial. But let's say you are in a big metropolitan area. And even though your audience isn't real big in your metropolitan area, what if a, a car advertiser wants to come in and give a, a premium advertising rate to reach the 300 listeners that are in your area that would match that car dealership? If If that is possible where you would make some real money on that, you might consider it. Let's face it, radio um, is going to be around for another 20 years. Radio is not going anywhere anytime soon. But um, my kids, uh, 27, 21, 20, no, 27, 20, 20, yeah, 27, 21, 20, and 14, uh, when they get in my car, guess what they are? They're on earbuds. They're listening to their own stuff. They're not listening to radio. They don't want to listen to the radio. Dad doesn't listen to radio anymore either, but – you know, twenty years the radio folks are that why do you think they're investing in iHeart and all this? So ad dollars are gonna shift and um so injection has to be here. That's really a long answer to your question, but um we have to be careful and and I'm I'm very uh, well, I'm leery, but at the same time I'm kind of facing reality on what's coming.
0: Hmm. No, I think that was a, a really good answer. And for anyone who doesn't know what CPM means?
1: Cost per thousand. Cost, where does the M come from? Who knows? You know, <laughs> did it used to be cost per million? I don't know. I, it, you would think it would CPT, cost per thousand, you know, but for some reason they call it CPM. Um, yeah, I. who knows? Someone <laughs> smarter than me will tell us that. And they're going to be like, dummy, this is what it means. But, um you know, and typically our CPM rates have been 20 or $25 per thousand listeners per thousand downloads and download is still the measurement uh, and it will be the measurement for podcasting for the for the long term.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think um, I think that the there, there's definitely something there for the injection for the people that want it. But just like in radio, I mean, I personally listen to the radio, but I live in a sports town, right? So I, I listen have, mm-hmm. we have two sports radio networks in our town alone. And um when it comes to ads like i just switch over to either my my iphone or or like another channel um but you know the the ads of like the the you know given by the host are always the ones that like are interesting and i'll listen to for at least a few seconds because i'm always like studying how are they doing it what are they saying how are they working it in what was the transition things of that nature, right? Cuz like they obviously yep. are doing something, right? They they went to school for it, they got a degree and now they're you know listened to by tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people every day.
1: In all honesty, in all honesty, the GM gives them a copy and says you run this at 12. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know, I I think that there's still
0: a lot of value there for that. But again, it, it's it's I know that from a corporate standpoint, from a business standpoint, writing a whole bunch of little checks is not <laughs> is not effective either. If, no, if you're Pepsi no, or not. if you're Geico or anything like that. So, um, so Todd, I ha- I'm curious, what was your childhood dream growing up? Was it to be in front of a mic uh, most days? <laughs>
1: No. Matter of fact, uh, farther from the truth, I I really was a geek from the beginning. Um, I would tear stuff apart and oftentimes couldn't put it back together, but I was fascinated by how stuff worked. Um, As a teenager, uh, I worked uh, doing electrician work, uh, wiring buildings and that stuff, uh, a little bit of a part time job. My dad was in the construction business, so I actually uh, grew up around heavy machinery, but. Um, we would go to all kinds of auctions and I was in an auction one time and they were selling, I don't know, parts out of an old phone switching unit. And I bought this pile of junk just to figure out, you know, how this switching gear worked with the old telephone system. So, you know, I had a, you know, a little, a dialing exchange in my garage where I had five phones hooked up to this thing and they would ring each other. I mean, just that was, you know, me as a kid kind of doing stuff. So, um, I was not College material um, I was deciding what to do, and when i um when I looked at the Navy, they had a, a incredible aviation electronics technician uh, rate that really intrigued me and uh, I had went to Votech school in high school, did two years of electronics so when uh when I basically uh, signed up, I went in as an aviation electronic technician now I got lucky. Um, I was able to fly for uh, 24 years, uh, basically flying in a P 3 Orion, being a, a sensor operator on special mission aircraft. And so I had, I mean, an absolutely incredible, I can't tell you because I'd have to kill you type of career. But um, I mean, it was really an, an amazing ride. So, you know, when I got ready to, to retire and told the Transition person that I'm going to be doing uh, uh, media and advertising stuff. The lady thought I'd lost my rocker, but ironically, there's a test that they make you take. And, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And I'm, you know, I'm already in my 40s. I'm taking this test because I'm getting ready to transition out of the Navy. And, I don't know, she opened up to page 676, and she just says, this is what you're supposed to do when you retire. And on that list was, you know, electronics technician, uh, uh, engineer, and all these things that I had been doing for so many years. But you know what's in the right-hand column? Media buyer. Now, how did the stars align or working in media, how that aligned and how that cross-related, God only knows. But she looked at that she closed the book, she'd have a happy life, you know, and I haven't told that story too many times, but, um, for me, I find this job as challenging and as fun as when I was working on airplanes. It's, uh, it's crazy, but, uh, you know, I had to learn from the ground up this whole lingo and the whole site and I'm still not an expert, but, uh, heck no one is. And it's, but it's been an, an incredible ride, but no, as a kid. Yeah, I was tearing tearing radios apart, and you know, yeah, that was me. But
0: you know, it's that that engineering idea, like idealist background, um, that 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 technology background that's led you where you're at now. Like, if you if you didn't have that comfort uh, comfortability, I don't know if that's a word, uh, to to uh, to technology, then you probably wouldn't have been as interested in like, let's start. A tech, but I mean it's a media company, but but it's really a tech company.
1: That's true. And you know, and I had run a bulletin board, dial up bulletin board for years. So I had dabbled in online communications a lot. I was blogging, right? It's blogging when it was cool to be a blogger, and not a real good one, but so for me it was just like this is the next step. Doing the podcast is the next step, this communications on the internet. And I was just so fascinated by I can do a show, put it online. People can listen, and no one can stop me. I don't have to ask permission from CBS, ABC, CNN. No one. I don't have to ask permission. It's there. It can be distributed. You know, I'm the man. I own it. I'm the GM. I'm the uh, production off uh, production person. I'm the talent. It it set it to me. It was really about. The freedom being able to do this and not being told I couldn't. And you know, that's what the internet has been so empowering by so many people. Um, and I think podcasting is, uh, is such a unique medium and where the folks that are listening to us today have purposely listened. They're plugged in. They, we, we always have to remember that, Joe, that we're in their head. We're talking to them. They're, you and I are having a conversation, but they purposely have tuned into this show. And we never can forget that, that they are purposely listening to us. And um, the radio doesn't have that. TV doesn't have that. You might turn on a program, but they're not talking to you. They're entertaining you. You are the product. In this instance, our audience members are not the product. They're our, they're our family. There are our friends. There are people that we want to see succeed. That, that's the difference in this medium.
0: Mm. No, I think that's a great way of putting it I always say it's just you and their ears right your voice their ears and because and they're probably not doing something that requires their 110% concentration when they're listening I mean maybe they're driving or mowing the lawn or showering oh, or something I want, but
1: if they're on the computer I want them to stop I want them to stop and listen and I often get accused of doing my show said so, dude you just cost me 15 minutes I had to stop and listen I want I want the audience members that are listening to this show to stop and listen um if you're in the, in the gym working out cool but if you know if you're on the drive you can concentrate cuz you're just you're driving that's you know we all do that but um in the radio if you're if radio's on at work that's just kind of that's just background uh, white noise right mm-hmm. it's there you know unless something dramatic happens you don't stop and listen i think podcasting requires a concentrated effort because we're we're deep in the weeds. I, I, I think there's a lot of deep listening going on.
0: Oh, I, I agree. I, I like, I know my, me, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but, um, but when I, when I first got into podcasting back in 2000 and uh, 2000 and the end of 2005, uh, when I first started mm-hmm. listening to my first podcast, which was a Disney podcast, by the way, it's no longer there. They, they, they called it quits about four or five years ago. Um, but, they uh when they when their episodes would come out i would i would make sure that like whatever i was doing i could actually listen i wasn't listening while i was at work or doing something i had to concentrate on um it was always like while i was getting ready for the day or something to that effect or driving to work or or doing something like that because i wanted to hear everything that they had to say about Disney world
1: <laughs> yeah That's what these shows are about. Yeah. That's why I love that they're so niche too. You know, like, you know, we had a guy that was a neurosurgeon and he had like 1200 neurosurgeons listen to a show worldwide. That's about as niche as you can get, but advertisers were paying big bucks to be in that show. But, uh, you know, he was reaching the audience he wanted to reach.
0: Yeah. No, that, that is, that is incredible. Um, Todd, what's your dreams for the future looking like?
1: Well, you know, I I think from a company standpoint, um, you know, no one that everyone that builds a company builds it to be bought. Uh, but I made a decision a few years ago that we're not. If we ever get to the point where we are going to get bought, we are going to uh, remember where we came from. We're going to remember that the podcasters come first, and it has to be a company that um, has as much love for the space as we do, and, and would be a good fit. Um I just, you know, we can't uh you know, we 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 can't, you know, money's good but uh you know, my reputation is be- is more important. So, uh we definitely, you know, we'll look at that if that opportunity arises, but for now, um the space is uh is is exploding. We, you know, we had a record-setting sales month last month and um it's just continuing to grow and uh, i I continue to tell the team you know our number one focus is on the independent podcasters we you know we take care of our commercial customers and give them the love they need, but uh the Indies come first, we know who breads our, um who butters our bread so uh we'll continue to bring great tools and services we got a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline that's coming and um so that you know that's really the future. We look about eighteen months out uh because the space changes so much we that's about as far as we can look. But, uh, you know, we, we're going to continue to add folks to the team, and uh, we're doing some stuff to improve the brand right now. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's an exciting time, so we're just going to keep, uh, keep the pedal to the metal.
0: Well, that, that's awesome. What about personally?
1: Well, you know, I'm 53, and um, I'm going to continue to do my show. I have no plans on uh, retiring anytime soon. But there will come a time that if I get to the point where I can throttle back a little bit and then maybe in the next ten years, maybe I'll do that but um you know i I can't you know i I come from a family of uh, very hard workers. My mom is uh in her late seventies she still works she says if she quit working, she'd die, so you know it's um um it's kind of in the family blood that's what we do, so um. Uh, you know, that's we'll see. And and maybe, you know, maybe even a point in the future we may leave Hawaii. I don't know. I, I have a, I have kind of a something timeline in my head. My wife is not a hundred percent agreeing with me. So we got to come to some sort of negotiation there, but, uh, I'm ready to be a little bit closer, uh, just because I'm tired of putting 200,000 frequent flyer miles in my account every year. <laughs> um, it, uh, you know, traveling's cool, but, uh, not being home. And being able to do a day trip or something is uh has gotten a little old
0: oh i bet i bet I, I you know I look at like some of my you know my friends on Facebook and stuff and how much they travel and I think to myself like that is the furthest from what I want for my life <laughs> um to travel the to the level that some of the like people like you and and uh people like kamanzi uh travel
1: it it's you know nothing worse than eating alone. It, it sucks, you know, so my wife always teases me. Oh, you're going on another trip. Oh, are you going to New York. I did. I'm like, come on, let's go. You can come with me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it 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 looks glamorous, but believe me, it it's not. But, uh, you yeah, know, it keeps things real and changes things up. So probably if I wasn't traveling, I'd want to be traveling. But, you know, I was in my blood, too. I spent 24 years in the Navy traveling a lot. So. I'm kind of used to it, but, yeah, it does get a little old.
0: <laughs> todd, how can people connect with you online?
1: Uh, best way, really, is uh, if you want to email me, email me at todd at blueberry.com, dot ycom I'm on Twitter at Geek News. Of course, uh, if you're into podcasting, you can check the New Media Show out at newmediashow.com, which I do with Rob Greenlee, my co-host. And then uh, if you're techie, you want to check my tech show out, geeknewscentral.com. Uh 1230 episodes same sponsor since 2005 and um you know really i guess for a better word i we're, we're kind of living the dream and uh we'll see what happens from here on out
0: ah, i love it todd thank you so much for taking the time i i appreciate like everything that you do for the podcasting space the i mean the for anyone that doesn't know i i do use your stats uh for for this show and uh and all that. And and again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Is there any last thoughts you'd like to share?
1: Well, I just appreciate what you're doing and, and keep doing, uh, it looks like you've got a, from your acceptance video, you had a wonderful conference and group there. Uh, so, uh, you know, keep the dreamers going, I guess that's it. And, but, you know, again, congratulations on your podcast award and, and uh, just keep cranking out episodes. Well,
0: thank you, and thank you for running the awards. Thank you for putting up with all the headaches, and and thank you, a big thank you, for not making me have to go through the 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 gauntlet of getting people to vote for me for a month to make
1: to to yeah, <laughs> That's all gone, so <laughs> you don't have to worry about that.
0: <laughs> that uh, that would have been that would have been tough for me because I have a lot of things going on at once, and uh, getting understand. those votes is is always a is always a pain for both me and the people I'm asking to do it. But uh, that is true. But uh, but so if uh, Todd, I would love to have you on the show again in the like in a year or so to catch up and, and how you've been and, and what's been going on.
1: Yeah, anytime. I'd love to. Oh,
0: absolutely. And if you've enjoyed this episode uh, with Todd Cochran of Blueberry, uh, you know, just share it with a friend. That's that's all I can ask, right, Todd? I, I, you know, I could ask for like reviews or whatever. Like, just just share it with somebody that you know that that you feel could get something out of all this podcasting
1: talk uh, or any of the that's other episodes. How you, that's- That's how you grow the show. Share it, audience. Share it wide and and large. Yep,
0: yep, yep. And I I would greatly appreciate that. So, again, thank you very much, Todd. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Joe. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Business Podcast
0: featuring Super Joe Pardo. Get more business content at superjoepardo.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on The Business Podcast, send an email to joe at superjoepardo.com. The business podcast is copyrighted to 234 Solutions, LLC.